Hello, ladies and gents, and everyone in between, and welcome to Cinemasterpiece, the podcast where I review and dig deep into movies and other pieces of cinema. So let's get down to business. You must be thinking, this is what you give me to work with? And to that I say, well, honey, I've seen worse. And you know, some people may wonder why I like Disney so much. But honestly, you don't find good quality movies like this every dynasty. And if you don't like Disney, well... Dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. I think you know what movie I'm about to dive into. But if you live under a rock, that movie is Mulan. So I really wanted to talk about this movie because I'm one of the biggest Disney fans out there. Seriously, ask my friends, ask my parents, they all know. And Mulan is my absolute favorite Disney princess, hands down. Mulan was released in 1998 toward the end of the Disney Renaissance, which was a short burst of movies that turned out to be absolute bangers. And they were all released during the 1990s. Right off the bat, I appreciated the fact that Disney actually cast people from Chinese backgrounds to play Chinese roles. (sighs) I know, I shouldn't be applauding a film company for doing what they should be doing. But with all the whitewashing in movies out there today, it feels good knowing Disney did something right. It's definitely a step up from their uh, questionable past. Dumbo, I'm looking at you. Ming Na Wen does an outstanding job of portraying the eponymous main character. B.D. Wong is an amazing Shang. And, fun fact, George Takei makes an appearance as the first ancestor. And of course, how could Mulan be Mulan without the frustratingly stubborn Chi Fu, played by James Hong, whose voice I could listen to, quite literally, for hours. And of course, a special shout-out has to be made to the comedic genius Eddie Murphy. I mean, come on. The movie would not be the same without his hilarious one-liners and his spunky attitude brought to life through the dragon Mushu. Anyone who knows me knows I am fiercely feminist. And one of the things that I love about Ulan is that her whole plot, you know, her whole storyline doesn't center around a romance around a man she's not a damsel in distress she's not waiting in a tower for a man to come and save her no her character is all about loyalty to her family i mean mulan literally went to war in order to keep her family's honor and to save her dad like i i i would never do that i'm sorry dad i love you but going to war Ugh. no thanks And because Mulan is not, like, male-driven or boyfriend-driven or husband-driven or whatever, um, we actually get to see more depth to her character. So when we listen to her conversations and interactions with other characters, we're able to learn more about her personality other than, I want a man. In addition to this refreshing take on the Disney princess narrative, there's another aspect of the movie that not many people talk about, but... I really want to talk about it because it's another thing I'm passionate about. It may come off as a little weird or goofy, but you know what? I don't care. Let's jump into it. So an important character in the movie is Lee Shang, who is the captain of Mulan and her fellow army soldiers. And throughout the film, whoever's seen it can clearly see attraction 
between Li Shang and Mulan. Like, they are crushing on each other, and it's super obvious. And normally people wouldn't think too deep into this, except for the fact that Mulan is disguised as a man when she's a soldier, right? And then, towards the end of the film, when it's revealed that Mulan's a girl, and she's recognized by the Emperor and all this stuff, she's back to her feminine-presenting self, Li Shang still likes her. He's still attracted to her. So, in my opinion, Shang is bi. And, of course, I may be biased when I say that because I, too, am a bisexual person. But, still, still, I mean, come on, right? Something I found interesting while researching this movie is the fact that Mulan's original title was going to be China Doll. And... You know, I read that and I really didn't like it. I feel that China Doll, I mean, I kind of get the irony of it about, oh, she's supposed to be this perfect porcelain doll and she's supposed to be seen, not heard. And basically the whole anti-feminist thing and, you know, the whole plot twist is, hey, surprise, she's like actually a strong character who has depth. Woo, imagine that. Something about it just didn't sit right with me, so I'm really glad that they chose her name to be the title similar to Pinocchio or Dumbo or Pocahontas, and um, she wasn't reduced to her appearance like Beauty and the Beast, Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, Snow White, you know, that kind of a thing. So yeah, I'm really glad they ended up with Mulan. So those were all the opinions and thoughts that I had from my own head, but I actually did a little bit of research into this movie, and I found a lot of cool fun facts and a lot of interesting um, symbols and stuff like that that I figured I would share. So here we go. A group of about 10 people who worked on this film, such as the directors, the producer, and the animators, spent three weeks in China um, in order to prepare for this film. While they were there, they were visiting the Great Wall of China, where they experienced this really tranquil moment um, where everything was quiet, and then they heard that really distinct sound of flags flapping in the breeze. And they kind of reflected on that moment and just were so in awe that they were inspired to animate a bunch of uh, flags throughout the film. So flags are shown really frequently um, in order to reflect that tranquil moment that they experienced. Another fun fact, uh, during the scene where Mulan is watching her parents through the window while she sits outside in the rain, um, those shots were deliberately drawn to make her appear trapped, uh, kind of boxed in, um, and her hair is like covering her face, there's cracks in the pavement and on the stone that kind of shuts her in and boxes her in, she's framed, and this is supposed to symbolize that she has no options. Color was also used throughout the film uh, to really play into the emotions of the scene and really subtly convey certain things, which I hadn't known before, but I learned in research for this movie. So, for example, um, the animators decided to use really bright colors, like those bright reds, those bright yellows, that sort of a thing, um, during the fireworks climax scene, um, which you would expect because fireworks, bright colors, yada yada. But, like, think about how intense that scene is is right so they really wanted to use those bright colors to symbolize that 
Along that same vein, they use more pastels during more emotional scenes, such as that really touching moment with her father where there's all those cherry blossoms around and everything like that. You can notice that there's pastels. Um, and then they use more subdued colors during reflection um, and scenes like that where everything's very down and she's it's all raining and she's emotional and sad and feeling troubled. That's very subdued colors during that. Also, to reflect the tradition of Chinese brides wearing red, um, they decided to put a lot of red in every single one of Mulan's outfits. They all have a touch of red. So I thought that was pretty cool. My favorite fun fact about Mulan and color choice is the fact that animators chose the three primary colors, blue, yellow, and red, to um, design Mushu. Um, Mushu has a red body, blue horns, and he has a yellow belly. And the reason the animators did this was they really wanted to shine a light on his childlike personality. Uh, when I was doing research for this movie, I um, stumbled upon Mulan's IMDb trivia page. And I wrote down tons of fun facts that I really want to share. Um, just a disclaimer, though, I did not write these. I just found them. And uh, I don't know how credible they are, but they're just they're so good that I just need to share. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Mulan's name means wood orchid or magnolia, and as such, magnolias serve as a running motif in the movie. Mulan touches her hair a lot because animators noticed that Ming-Na Wen did, and Ming-Na Wen is uh, the actress behind the voice of Mulan. The opening titles were put together by simply putting watercolor on rice paper. The Tai Chi form Mulan's father begins before his leg injury interferes is Mulan Quan, a Tai Chi practice named for Mulan herself. This was the only Disney animated film to use the phrase cross-dresser. The film was almost rated PG because of the use of the phrase. The theme song in the opening credits, as well as the melody for Honor to Us All, is the same tune Peter Pan plays on his pan flute in the Disney version of the movie, and I'll play it real quick right here. There's a line in Honor to Us All that goes, A girl can bring her family great honor in one way by striking a good match. Both of Mulan's victories involved firepower. Mulan is a female who dresses and passes as a male to join the military. B.D. Wong, the voice of Shang, began his acting career as a male who dresses and passes as a female in M. Butterfly 1993. Mulan spends the morning of her matchmaking session avoiding the proper way of doing things and instead using shortcuts such as getting her dog to feed the chickens and writing a supposedly memorized speech on her arms. It seems lazy and dysfunctional at the time, but it's exactly this kind of work smarter, not harder attitude that will soon turn her into a respected soldier in the army. Mulan also demonstrates some cleverness by turning the tide of a game of chess with just a single move. Later, one clever move is enough to bury the Hun army. In one version of the legend, Mulan had a younger brother who was to be enlisted in the military, but instead Mulan goes in his place. In the film, Mulan has a dog named Little Brother as a nod to this. All of Mulan's dresses in the film have a blue bodice and a red sash. This is possibly due to show that, despite being forced to change her appearance many times in the movie, Mulan ultimately stays true to herself throughout. For the first half of the movie, the story acts like a fairly lighthearted musical, focusing on the antics of Mulan and her friends. Halfway through the movie, the characters are singing A Girl Worth Fighting For, but end abruptly when they reach the destroyed village. 
Having been shown the devastating reality of war, Mulan and several other characters become more somber and serious. Also, the movie stops being a musical and becomes a more dramatic film. It becomes a musical again in the third act, when a brief but lively reprise of I'll Make a Man Out of You plays during the hero's preparation for the final battle. This signifies their hope and optimism returning. That's something I never realized before, but through this research, I learned a lot. (laughs) While researching this movie, I came across several articles that said there's going to be a live-action Mulan coming out in March of this year. And I'm pretty excited to see it, but I'm also a little hesitant because of my absolute adoration for the first one. I'm usually a skeptic when it comes to remakes and sequels and stuff like that, but I'm willing to get off my high horse to go see it in theaters as long as I get to ride it there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cinemasterpiece, and as always, see you real soon, pal! (gasps) 